Thank you. All right. Good morning, everybody. Well, it's good to see you this morning. We're continuing our series, Ugly Christmas Sweater. You don't have to wear it. You don't have to wear it. And, um, and so I, I want to begin. I want to tell you that Tuesday morning, uh, this past Tuesday morning, I had a very, um, I, had a, 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 I had an experience that um, it's been a while, honestly. It's been a, a couple of months probably before this has happened. Years, um, through the years, the Lord and I have had an agreement that if he, um, if he, if I wake up at three o'clock on the dot in the morning, 3 a.m., then uh, um, at 3 a.m. I get up, I know it's an appointment with the Lord. Uh, there have been times through the years when I've woke up and it's been uh, 3 a.m. and I've laid in bed and gone, hurry up, change, clock change, you know, not wanting to get up. 3.05, it's time to, you know, get a drink, use the restroom. But this, uh, this Tuesday morning, this past Tuesday morning, the Lord woke me up and even before I got out of bed, I could sense there was something going on in the spirit. Has anybody ever had this kind of a time, just a... You just knew it was a divinely appointed time from the Lord, and, and um, I just really felt this, this tug on my heart. I'd, I'd been praying over some things, praying over our message, uh, over the message I was going to preach that I'm not uh, teaching on this week. And, and so the Lord began, I got up and I went out in my, to my office and sat down in my recliner, but even as I was walking through the house, God was, he was just giving me this vision of an experience that had taken place uh, in our family uh, a number of years ago. And so, um, and, the, and I'm going to share this story this morning uh, with permission, okay, uh, with permission. So uh, the, the story goes like this, that there was a season, and this is what the Lord is replaying in my mind, and I, I mean, it, it was like as real as the day that it happened in my heart. And so... Um, there was a season when our daughter Taylor um, wasn't living uh, in, in all of the fullness of who God had created her to be, and um, uh, has anybody ever been there? You liars, raise your hand, so, and, uh, well, and that's, and that's exactly what was going on. There's so much I could say about this, but, so she got into a pattern where she was living deceptively. And she was um, not telling the truth about things. And, and she was actually uh, fabricating. She was just lying about a number of things. And, um, and, and, and part of the reason this, um, it, it was such a, a hurt to my heart was because I grew up in a family that my mom and dad both, they were known to lie and to just, you know, and, and that was kind of funny. And, oh, well, he said that, but ha, ha, ha. And through the years, even when I had started into college and into ministry, there was a temptation in my heart to embellish things, to, to not just be straight about the, about the truth of things. And, uh, and God did two things. <laughs> One is he gave me Yvette. Um, if you know, <laughs> those of you that know Yvette know that, uh, that I've never met a person who's more truthful. If you don't want to know the truth, please don't ask her. I'm <laughs> just, okay. Um, but God gave her to me as an amazing gift. And then um, the first six years of ministry that we, uh, where we lived in the Bahamas, the people there are literalists. 
I mean, um, the pastor that came before me to that, at that church, he's, they, I met them and said, oh, I love Tom. He's a great guy. And they go, oh, he's a liar. I was like, wait, whoa, I know Tom. He's, yeah, he got up in the pulpit one day and said he caught a fish this big, and it was really only, I mean, they would measure to them, you know, just like, so very literal, had to be very conscientious about speaking, speaking truth, and, and now I just love and value truth. And so because it's such a high value in our family, when Taylor uh, would would tell these lies, um, it would become very painful. It was very um, it was very hurtful in my heart. And he, you know, I I just I was angry and disappointed at her, with her, and also because it was an expectation that I had. And so there was a day when she said something, and I um, was did not act completely righteously, didn't act righteously at all, and I so I kind of blew up. And I'm standing in our hallway, and she's getting ready to walk into her room. And I said, you're a liar. Uh, and I said, you're, that's a lie, and you're a liar. Those are great words for a father to speak, isn't it? And so, um, and so Yvette, standing in the hallway, all of a sudden she says, um, she goes, don't say that. And the minute she said, don't say that, the Holy Spirit said, that's not what I'm saying about her. I went, what? what? He said, that's not what I'm saying about her. Why are you calling her something I'm not calling her? I said, wait a minute. And I'm, I mean, literally, I can remember being arrested in my steps and going, just kind of throwing my hands up and walking out on the porch and uh, got out on the porch with the Lord. And, and I said, God, obviously, you're wanting to say something to me. He said, I'm saying something to you. You're missing the mark, bud. Now, I said, even I know what that means, God, you know. <laughs> Y'all know that to miss the mark means to sin. And he said, I said, God, I'm sinning. Where am I sinning? I said, well, God, that's not in my heart. I'm, I'm, I'm trying to drag her into righteousness. I'm trying to bend her will. I'm trying to, you know, un, uh, unstop these uh, messed up wells. I'm trying to, you know, to, to, to undo the works of the enemy. He said, no, you're not. He said, you're acting from a place of judgment in your heart. And because you have a fixed judgment in your heart, the only thing you can do is look at her through critical eyes. Man, I'm telling you, I, even Tuesday morning, I began, I felt myself just weeping again. Going, God, I'm so sorry. God, I'm supposed to be her spiritual covering. He said, yeah, your spiritual covering. And if, if, if on your seats, if you guys got the, do you see these little umbrellas? They're going to serve a twofold purpose today, okay? I know some people's hoping that it's uh, Bahama Bucks. No, it's not Bahama Bucks. And it's not mixed drinks either. So uh, that's right. I said, God, I'm supposed to be her spiritual covering. And he said, You're not being a spiritual covering to her. He said, Your covering's no bigger than a little umbrella like this. I said, God, I know that's not what you want. And I repented. I repented. And I. I literally stayed out on that porch about 45 minutes. And I say that because spiritual covering is not about control. It's not about making people do things. Spiritual covering, uh, spiritual authority is about covering. You guys know that, right? Okay, if you're putting your, having to put your hands on somebody to make them do what you want, you're not a spiritual authority in your life. You're a controller. You're a manipulator in their life, right? And so the Lord began to say, that, that's how big your covering is because of this judgment in your heart. And, um, and so he said, I, I can literally remember repenting and, 
And then I, I went back in and called Yvette and Taylor, and I said, hey, I'm going to talk to you. I said, the Lord has shown me that what I said was wrong, and it wasn't just that what I said was wrong. It was my, the spirit about it was wrong. I, I had a, You see, when you have a judgment, he said, you have a, when I had a judgmental spirit, what I was doing is I was fixing her place. I had already decided who she was and what she was going to do. And can I tell you, that's beyond my ability. That's not who I'm called. That's God's job. And so this Tuesday morning, I'm praying about this, and all of a sudden the Lord's going, that judgment, that judgmental, critical spirit almost ruins your family. But for the grace of God. But for the grace of Almighty God. And, and it didn't, I'd like to say it just changed immediately. She kept being stupid for a little while longer. But uh, she's here and she gave me permission again to, to share this. But I believe that as I began to get my heart in alignment with the heart of God, that God began to move in her life and begin to make her the, the beautiful, wonderful woman of God and daughter and wife and mother <laughs> that she is today. Amen? Amen. So thank you, babe, for letting me share the story. But as I was processing this, and then there's, there's more I'll share here towards the end of the message, but the Lord said, I want you to talk to the church. He said, people don't realize they're carrying a sickness. They're carrying a disease. They're carrying, they're carrying something in our lives that's not the word of God, that's not the heart of God. We're in disagreement with God. We're going to be in disobedience to God. And he said, it's impacting people's lives and they don't realize it. They begin to believe something in their heart and then they start speaking it out of their mouths. Before you know it, there has become a pattern or a twist or a bent to their life that's not being productive in the kingdom of God. So I want you to talk to the people today about having a judgmental, critical spirit. Is that okay? Can we talk about it for a few minutes? Everybody looks really excited about this. So I'm just, <laughs> so. Matthew chapter 7, verse 1. I think we probably all read it. Judge not, lest you be judged, right? Judge not that you might not be judged. And I really believe we've kind of got this twisted in our hearts and our minds, and even the world quotes it and says, oh, don't judge me, don't judge me, don't judge me. So let's talk about this just for a few minutes. Let me tell you that there are times when we're supposed to be judgmental. There's times and there's things we're supposed to judge and those things we're supposed to discern. So when this scripture says, judge not, this is what God does not mean. He does not mean that as Christians, we do not deal with sin in our lives or the lives of others. It would be unkind, unloving for us not to try to restore people who are Christians who are not living like it. Okay, 1 Corinthians chapter 2 says this, says in verse 15, he who is spiritual judges all things. So there's a spiritual judgment that needs to be operating in our lives, but the motive of that's a whole lot different than a natural judgment. God does not mean that we're not to correct error with respect to the Word of God. Can I tell you, there are a lot of people going around in a lot of places in our world today that are saying, well, God says, or the Bible says, and it's nowhere in the Bible. Listen to me, people. Just because people say it doesn't mean it's true. 
That's why we are to be students who study the Word of God, who show ourselves, okay, that we don't have to be ashamed, that we know how to rightly divide the Word of truth, amen? This is why we hide the Word in our heart. We don't just get it from anybody else and everybody else, okay? We know the truth for ourselves, okay? Um, another thing that God is, uh, He's not saying that we do not make value judgments or assessments of situations. Everybody has to use judgment. Every, there's certain places, there's certain circumstances, there's certain areas of the city, you, there's certain environments you should not go into. You should be able to make a judgment that says, that's not a wise thing to do, it's not a great place to go, it's not going to be healthy, it's not going to be helpful to your life. So we need to make those type of assessments and judgments. He also, we're not to avoid moral discernment. Okay, uh, I think Mike alluded to this earlier. When there's places that say, oh, when there's, there's, as Christians, as believers, we are the light of the world. But as the light of the world, the Bible also says that what fellowship does light have with darkness? There's some places we don't go, some things we don't participate in, some people we don't hang around with because it's not right, it's not righteous, it's not moral. That's not a judgment against a person. That's a judgment that says, I'm going to stand in agreement with God no matter what anybody else does. Amen? John said we're to discern spirits. First, uh, okay, so we're so supposed to discern spirits. We don't just align ourselves with everything and everybody. I personally believe that the most needed operational spiritual gift in the world today is the gift of discernment. There are so many uh, wolves, in, or so many sheep in wolf, wolves in sheep's clothing, right? There's so many wolves in sheep's clothing that are coming in to try to sow a division and all kinds of different things. So um, uh, the first spirit we need to discern is ours, right? Let's make sure we've got a right heart and a right spirit. And they're just plain and simply, folks, there's times when constructive criticism is needed. This is what God means. He means be careful to not be a fault finder, a critic. So let's eliminate a critical spirit from our lives. A let, let, let's eliminate a critical spirit in everything that associates with a critical spirit from our life. Also, we're going to look for the best in people, and we're going to give people the benefit of the doubt because that's what God did when he looked through and he sent grace to be operational in our lives. Amen? That's what we're going to do. We're going to give people the benefit of the doubt. And finally, we're going to recognize that God is the ultimate judge. He and he alone is the one who can assess the thoughts and the intents of people's hearts. In the Old Testament, in Jeremiah, in the New Testament, in the book of Hebrews chapter 4, we find out that God is a discerner of the thoughts and the intents, the motives, the what's going on inside of people. When we make a judgment of people on a, a simple act that they commit or a simple season that they're in, folks, we don't know what's going on in their life. We don't know what's God's, what God's doing. We don't, we don't have that ability to discern those things. But God does, so we're going to trust God, and we're going to operate in grace and love to them. Amen? Amen. Amen. Uh, last week, we had a, a little bit of success in, in talking about lists, so uh, I thought I would share a list with you this morning. Just a list that uh, might signal that someone is, not you, I know nobody here is, but maybe the person sitting beside you, so that is, is, dealing, with, is dealing with a critical spirit. Some general statements. Ready? In general, a person that's dealing with a, uh, a judgmental or critical spirit has a negative lens on life. They may, might deny it in themselves, but they can see it, in every, but everyone else can see it. 
Uh, someone with a judgmental spirit is going to have a hard time focusing on a loving relationship without always addressing the negativity about someone or something. Okay, Love you. Oh, did I tell you? I was wanting to correct something, right? When they talk about a person or a situation, they focus on the negative with little helpful solutions. And we're going to get to, we'll, we'll talk about this, that, that what's the motive? What are we trying to accomplish when we address things with people? Um, someone with a judgmental or critical spirit, they focus, all they focus on is flaws. They complain a lot. They're always upset about something. We don't, we've never met anybody like this, right? Okay. Um, these people are people, um, regarding people who are succeeding or doing well, the critical spirit shows up to find something wrong with them to focus on. They, they don't rejoice. I mean, they don't weep with those who weep, and they never rejoice with those who rejoice. Folks, we got a lot to rejoice about. Amen? Amen? They spend most of their communication focusing on what they're against, but very little time highlighting what they're good for, and they are rarely, rarely pleased. Okay, they're very, um, so here are some things that fuel this judgmental spirit. Insecurity, self-accusation, bitterness, comparison, competition. You ever met somebody, it's, everything's a competition, everything's a comparison, right? That's, that's, um, that's, that helps fuel that judgmental spirit. Perfectionism, joyfulness, uh, joylessness, joylessness, and being unthankful. A critical spirit sets up the problem without seeking a solution. Okay, A judgmental critical spirit doesn't just have a question. It's always questioning something. It's always questioning what's going, what the motive, what's going on behind the scenes. Okay, uh, This judgmental spirit will sacrifice people for the process. Okay, The way something's being done and it being done on time and it being done, done in the right way, that's much more important. That's much more important than the benefit, than what's going on in the person uh, themselves. Uh, a critical spirit sucks life rather than infuses life. It drains life. And I made a note here. So parents, let me talk to you for a second, all right? I, I warn you, as one who has been there and made the mistake, don't be judgmental over the heart and the character and the motives of your children. I warn you to be life-giving. In my time, and there was a time when I was part of a very legalistic organization, and so the more you followed the rules, the more you, uh, you know, kept in step, the more you were obedient to the letter of the law, then the better you were. But the truth is, it drains the life from you. And if you try to impose that on someone else, it will drain the life of them, from them. This is why Jesus said to the scribes and the Pharisees, why is it that you put a burden on other men, but you don't keep it yourself? All you're doing is killing them. That's not God's plan for anybody, for you or for them. So parents, when you finish an interaction, even an interaction of correction or, or punishment, let me ask you, do you leave that situation, do you leave that child encouraged or discouraged? It's going to help reveal what kind, of a, what kind of a spirit is operating in your life. A critical spirit makes the problem larger and larger, and it, focuses, it gets people to focus on what's wrong 
not can be not what can be accomplished. A critical, uh, judgmental spirit always focuses on you or uh, you, you know, the one person, but never we. What can we do together to fix the situation? A judgmental, critical spirit takes great pleasure in criticism. As a matter of fact, maybe you've met somebody like this. They come in and they tell you, man, the other day something happened and I told that person off. I went off on them and man, I jumped down on their throat and, and they weren't treating me right. And, 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 and you know, and that server didn't, listen to me, if you, if, if you are ever tempted on a Sunday, okay, to go to a restaurant and eat and gripe and complain at a server, just, just tell them you're not a Christian. Just tell them you don't go to church, okay? Tell them you were raised in the, wolves, in the woods by wolves or something, okay? I mean, because there's nothing of the Spirit of God in that. Preach on, brother. Thank you. I think I will. So. All right. And a critical spirit. Let me say this about uh, teams, people you work with, leaders. A critical, judgmental spirit will erode your team's trust. It will crush the soul of a child. Okay. It will bring division in a marriage, and it will ruin a team. Amen? Amen. Have you had enough? Are you feeling the weight of it yet? So... Uh, there's a few more I could say, but let me just, let's, let's, let's go on there, okay? So let's look at that scripture in, in Matthew chapter 7 again. Matthew chapter 7, the whole section of scripture there says, Judge not that you be not judged, for with what judgment you judge, you will be judged. And with the measure you use, it'll be measured back to you. Why do you look at the speck in your brother's eye, but do not consider the plank in your own eye? Or how can you say to your brother, let me remove the speck from your eye and look at the plank that is in your own eye? Hypocrite. First, remove the plank from your own eye. Then you will see clearly to remove the speck from the, other brothers, from the brother's eye. Okay? Now, now let, let's, let's back up and go back through this again, all right? Judge not that you be not judged. We get that, okay? For with what judgment you, will be, uh, you judge, you will be judged. Has anybody ever heard of something called sowing and reaping? Man, the judgment. The, listen, you get to discern, you get to determine the amount of grace that will be released in your life. So the question comes, if you're lacking grace, there's problems and, and judgment and, and all kinds of bad things and stuff that's coming into your life, can I say that maybe one of the first things we need to do is say, am I sowing those seeds in the lives of others? Am I sowing grace? Am I sowing love? Am I sowing compassion? Am I sowing mercy? Because what you sow, you're going to receive when you judge from a and a judgment always comes from a place of a hardened heart. When you're judging, you are just sowing seeds that are going to be returned to you. And then he goes on and he says, "Why do you look at the speck in your brother's eye but do not consider the plank in your own eye? Why do you look at the speck in your brother's eye but do not consider the plank in your own eye?" Now, this is a whole message you could preach actually a series of messages, teach a series of messages on this. Everybody still got your uh, umbrella there? Okay, everybody still get your umbrella? So this is the second part here. Uh, years ago, I did a message in the old building called Toothpicks and Telephone Poles. Okay? Toothpicks and Telephone Poles. It had this kind of a yard thing, you know, and said, 
Okay, toothpicks and telephone poles. Listen, this is what Jesus is saying. He's saying, why are you looking at the speck in somebody else's eye and you don't realize you got a, you got, they've got a toothpick and you've got a telephone pole? Maybe it's you've got this big thing sticking out of your life and every time you go to look at somebody, you're hitting them in the head with it. That's why you see problems. Right? Maybe that what you're seeing in their eye is a reflection of what's in yours. Come on, right? <laughs> maybe, maybe. So listen to what he says his solution for that is. Don't, don't think that your judgment, don't think that you can, and, and, and listen again, there's righteous judgment, but there's also critical judgment. And God's saying, hey, there's times when you need to help your brother. As a matter of fact, that's the point. I believe we missed the point of this whole teaching when it says, how can you say to your brother, let me remove the speck from your eye and look, <clears throat> a plank is in your own. Hypocrite, listen to what Jesus says here, first remove the toothpick or the telephone pole from your own eye and then you will see clearly not to point out the problem in the other person's life, not to let them know that they've got a toothpick in their eye, not to let them, hey, everybody recognize that toothpicks and telephone poles are made from the same substance? So maybe there's some relationship there, right? So what he's saying is you're not supposed to just be looking and saying, oh, I just want to point out your faults, point out your mistakes, point out your character issues. What he says there is then, then you will see clearly to remove the speck from your brother's eye. The issue is, are you going to allow God to heal you so you can be a part of healing others? Saved people, save people. Healed people, heal people. Free people, free people. Amen? Do you, are, we, are we catching this this morning? Are we getting this? You see, I'm, I'm just telling you, God wants to carry us to such a, a new level but, but the first thing that, that has to happen is not that everybody else needs to change. Maybe it's we need to change. Amen? There's a huge, there's a huge difference, folks, between um, using good judgment and being judgmental. There, there's some motive issues in our own hearts, and ultimately, that's where we usually go when we're being judgmental and critical. Okay, we, we, we want to say, oh, they're doing that not because it was a bad action, not just because it was a mistake, not because it was a lack of character. We want to assign to them they're bad people. They're just evil. They're just wrong. They're just, I mean, they're sinners. They're, they're liars. They're whatever, right? We, we want to categorize them. We want to put them in some category. Instead of doing that, you know what? There's a, we've got to recognize there's a big difference between a motivation of compassion and a motivation of criticism. What motivates you in relationship to people? God says, I want you to have a charitable, a, a love-based, okay, a love-based concern for the people that you're in relationship with instead of, instead of being critical. So what's our goal? When we point something out in someone, are we just trying to make a point or are we trying to make a difference? Are we trying to really help that person out? Do we come to, and listen, we need that. All of us need that. We need people in our lives who can point things out to us. We, we need people in our lives, I call it, that have veto power. Let me say, if you don't have somebody in your life that has veto power, you're walking on the edge of a slippery slope. 
I've, I've said this to many people. I remember asking God one time, he said, oh, the Lord told me to do this, and I'm going to go do this. And I said, well, who has veto power in your life? He says, nobody. I said, your wife doesn't have veto power in your life? No, uh uh-uh. Nobody, no, no men, no, no spiritual leaders, no friend, no, no, uh-uh. You know what? This guy walked off the cliff into a place of destruction. Because you know what he was saying? He's saying, I refuse to submit my heart to anybody and trust God for my benefit. So I, I, I'm asking today, what's in our heart? Do we, do we have a judgment that's in our heart that's designed to hurt people? Or is it designed to help people? Guys, I'm just telling you, God, I look back at some of the things through the years that I have said in my marriage and in parenting my kids and in leadership. And, 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 and listen, and God knew the motive of my heart, that it wasn't always to help others as much as it was to protect myself. Can I tell you that God really wants to so condition our hearts. He wants to remove every hardened place. He wants to remove every splinter, every toothpick, every telephone pole, every hardened place in our hearts so that our hearts can be so filled with love and grace that every opportunity we have, we can work for the benefit of others. We can work for the benefit of others. So anytime you make a judgment in a in a good or a godly message, I believe, or a good and godly manner, I believe that you're, what you're doing, you're saying, is I want to help this person. I want to come alongside of them. I'm not going to stand out and point my finger in their face. I'm going to come and put an arm around their shoulder and say, let's conquer this together. Let's get through it together because God's got a good plan for your life. So I hope we can operate from a standpoint of not just telling people, but that we can help people. Amen. Aren't you glad when the people, when they just don't tell me, but they help me? Are, are you glad for that when somebody comes along and says, I just want to help you. I just want to be there to help you. So um, it's not what you get, about, get out of it. It's what they get out of it. What you get is the same standard. The same standard. And I don't know about you, but folks, I want grace. I want mercy. I want an abundance of the, the, the love and compassion of Almighty God. Amen. Amen. Anybody ever watch YouTube? Come on. <laughs> okay, according to statistics, you know, everybody on the planet has watched it a hundred times. So, I mean, uh, has anybody ever seen those karma videos? You probably, you know, so, so um, I, I don't know why I take such joy in this, but I love the ones where the, this guy comes, you know, there's a traffic jam, and this guy comes flying down on the side of the road, and all of a sudden, just as he flies by and the camera catches him, the cop car pulls out right behind him, and I'm like, there's justice in the world. Thank you, Jesus. Right? I'm sure you've never had somebody pass you like that and go, God, I hope the police get home. You know, that's right. So those karma, right? Sowing and reaping. There is danger. There's danger in having a critical spirit. Steve, um, there's a guy named Steve Blackman. He wrote, wrote a book called Possessing Joy, and he does this. He defines a judgmental critical spirit as an obsessive attitude of disapproval and fault finding. May that never mark our lives. We are, we are to be people who think critically, but we are not people who think with criticism. Okay? We are. We're supposed to be rational. We're supposed to be real. And, and, but, but, but you know what? If all we can do is look at people through a critical eye and a suspicious, always being suspicious of someone, I'm telling you folks, we are sowing a problem into our life. 
Criticism versus uh, conviction. So personal judgment versus direction from the Holy Spirit. I, I mean, so what, what is it? Is it? Is it just what I like, what I want, my preference, or is it clearly direction from the Holy Spirit that's telling me to engage in a process of restoration of grace and of mercy with my, uh, with my children? So we're going to choose not to be people, not to be condemning and to be critical. We're going um, to only have righteous judgments, okay? We're going to resist having evil, evil judgment. We're going to resist being, and, and can I say this? One of the ways that this will manifest in our lives is you'll become a slanderer. You'll find it very easy to talk about other people in, an, in, an, in a negative way. You'll, you'll have a malicious tongue. You'll, 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 matter of fact, you'll, you'll, find it evil, you'll find it easy to speak evil of other people and to cast aspersions on them, their character, and what they do. So here are three uh, poisonous roots that feed the uh, judgmental critical spirit. One is thanklessness. We talked about this a couple weeks ago. You find somebody whose life isn't filled with thanklessness, I can guarantee you that at some point in time they're always going to be griping, grumbling, and complaining. They're going to be judgmental and critical. A second thing is selfishness, okay? That, that critical spirit resides inside of people who always think about how everything in the world impacts them first rather than what's happening in the hearts and lives of others. A third thing is insecurity. A critical spirit always tries to build itself up by tearing other people down. We've, we've been around people like that. Okay, they're always, you know, cutting on somebody, and we live in a world, the drop-the-mic world, you know, where the person who can have the biggest dig, the biggest, uh, the greatest sarcasm, well, they're the ones who are the winners. Can I say, that doesn't make you a winner. That doesn't make you a winner with God, to be able to tear somebody down. What they're doing is out of their own insecurities, they're trying to build themselves up. All right, so I want to give you uh, just five points here, five points to help destroy the destructive enemy of judge, being judgmental and critical in our lives. I'm going to go through them quick, but I want you to listen quick, all right? Number one is we need to acknowledge and repent for a judgmental, critical spirit. And so I'd like you right now just to say this, okay, in your hearts, in your minds. You don't have to say it out loud. Just, Holy Spirit, just reveal to me if it, in any degree there is anything of a judgmental or critical spirit in my life. God, I don't want that blind spot. I don't want that hardened place in my heart. I don't want that thing operational in any way, shape, or form. Thank you, Father. Number two, be thankful. Be thankful. Every time you're tempted to grumble, every time you're tempted to complain, man, okay, before you let a grumbling, complaining word, why don't you just start, God, I'm going to thank you first and foremost. No matter how bad, how painful this situation is, I'm going to thank you first. And then, God, I ask you to set my heart so that it's not critical. It's not critical in a way, okay, in a wrong way. But, God, it seeks to help the person that I've seen this situation in. Be thankful. Fight selfishness, right? Fight selfishness. Anybody have to fight selfishness? We all have to fight selfishness. There's a reason that Galatians 2.20 exists. Nevertheless, I live, yet not I, right? <laughs> it's Christ who lives in us every day. He must increase and we must decrease. Number four, believe that you are loved and valuable. Believed, believe that you are loved and valuable. If you don't believe that you're loved and valuable, you'll always be striving to prove that you're lovable and valuable. <laughs> Instead of just saying, God loves me. God loves me. God loves me. 
right? God values me. God accepts me. God approves of me. Amen. Aren't you glad we can wear that instead of this judgmental, critical spirit? And finally, I would say we need to have a gracious spirit. The opposite of a judgmental, critical spirit is a gracious spirit. A gracious spirit. We're, we're filled with grace where we're quick, quick to recognize, yeah, there might be something wrong in somebody's life. They might be doing something wrong, but, but you know what? I don't want to just, I don't want to criticize them. I want to come alongside them. And God, are you going to use me to help them, to restore them, to help them take their next step in their life with Jesus? Amen? James chapter 2 puts it like this. It says, so you must show mercy to others, or God will not show mercy to you when he judges you. But the person who shows mercy can stand without fear at the judgment. Don't you want the mercy of God? Don't you want that, that goodness of God? Can I, can I come back to the, the story? So uh, the rest of the story here, just in closing. Um, so I'm in my chair, and... Uh, the Lord has been talking to me about how I had that judgmental, how I had that hardened heart and the impact that it was, it was having in Taylor's life. And, uh, and all of a sudden I began to say, God, I don't want my influence to be negated. I don't want my, uh, my umbrella of authority just to be a little umbrella of authority. God, I want it to be a big umbrella. I want to cover her life and cover my family's life and, and cover this church and cover the people that I love. And God, I want to be in a complete agreement and alignment with you and with your purposes. And the Lord began to show me that my umbrella was increasing. And I began to say, thank you, God. Thank you, God. Only you do that. Only you're the one who makes our lives effective and impacting. Only you do that, God. And then in a moment, in a moment, the Lord showed me something. He said, Sam, and I want you to know, as your father, I've done that over you more times than you know. You see, there's a principle in Numbers chapter 30. It says this. It says that a father or husband, when he hears something about his wife or family, that if he doesn't do anything about it, it will stand. It will operate in the life of that family. But if the father hears about it and acts, then he can come in and he can break that agreement. He can break that vow. And all of a sudden, the Lord began, it was almost like he opened the heavens and he began to show me, Sam, my covering over you isn't a small umbrella. It's not a big umbrella. It's not a porch umbrella. It's a canopy that stretches as far as the east is from the west. He said, Sam, you don't understand how much, how I have broken the vows over your life. I've broken wrong agreements over your life. He says, and not only that, I've broken the power of sin over your life through my son, Jesus Christ. All you have to do is come and just stand up under the canopy of my love, my grace, my mercy. Just stand in agreement with me. And can I tell you that there began to be a sense of joy. God, thank you. Thank you, God. Thank you, God, for your forgiveness. Thank you, God, for delivering me, God, from, from wrong insights and wrong beliefs about you, about myself. Thank you, God. Thank you, God. Does anybody here just want to join me and say, God, thank you. Thank you, God, for forgiveness. Thank you for your mercy, God, that even when I didn't ask, you poured out mercy upon my life. Thank you for your grace, God, that, that you really did give me, Lord. You give, gave me what I didn't deserve. You blessed my life in so, so many ways. 
So God, we say today, we say today, we come under your covering. We come and we submit our lives, God, to your covering. God, to all of the provision. Your covering brings with it provision for every need in our life. So this morning, we come, oh God. We come freely and submit to you. Submit to you every area of our life. Would you stand with me this morning, folks? If you're willing to, why don't you just lift your hands like this this morning and just say, God, I really do. I come and I submit my life to you. Where there have been places of sin or judgmentalism or criticism, or God, any hardened place in my heart, I come this morning and I ask forgiveness in the name of Jesus Christ. God, I ask that you will free me, that you will do such a work of healing and wholeness, bring wholeness to my life. God, that everything that I do, every action and attitude of my life, God, that it would be full of your love, of your grace, of your mercy, of your forgiveness. God, even in times of correction, God, let my criticism always be motivated, God, by your purposes and the benefit of brothers and sisters in Jesus' name. Hallelujah. Thank you, God. Thank you, Lord. Come on. Let's just give him praise this morning. Amen. Come on, God. We praise you. Bless you in Jesus' name. Amen.